I dropped out of school when I had a thousand subscribers and a thousand dollars in my bank. It didn't make sense. Welcome to The Lavender Lifestyle, the podcast on personal growth and lifestyle design. My name's Eileen, and I'm here to guide you to become a master artist of life. Every Sunday, you'll get new insight and inspiration on how to create your dream life. After the episode, the conversation continues in our Lavender Lifestyle Facebook group, so I can't wait to see you there. Life is an art. Make it your masterpiece. Hey, my loves. Welcome back to the Lavender Lifestyle. It's Eileen. Today's episode is about entrepreneurship, starting a business at a young age, specifically a business in the digital and social media space. With us today is Jade Dharmawangza. Jade is an entrepreneur and YouTube star with over 400,000 fans and followers. In 2019, Jade founded X8 Media, a media agency that helps brands produce educational videos. Currently, Jade is also building an incubator program to help early stage influencers influencers grow and fund personal brands. So before we get into today's interview, I want to remind you to check out the 2021 Artist of Life Workbook, a guided journal to help you plan your most intentional and inspiring year. It has exercises on self-discovery, self-love, and life design, and it's a tool to take you from where you are to where you want to be. You can check that out at shop.lavendaire.com. All right, on to the interview. Hello, Jade. Welcome to the Lavender Lifestyle Podcast. How are you doing? Hey, I'm so excited to be here. I am doing really good. How are you doing, Aileen? I'm doing well. So I feel like you are always doing so much. <laughs> you're, you're always busy. Um, for listeners out there who don't know much about you, can you lead us through your journey and how you got started at, with business at such a young age? Yeah. So what's up, guys? My name is Jade. Like everyone... As a kid, I you know, was growing up watching YouTube, Michelle Phan, Beauty Gurus, all that fun stuff. And when I was nine, I decided to start my own YouTube channel. And at the time, my passion was makeup and dolls. So I was playing with like little pet shops, like these toys. I'm not sure if anyone's listening to this podcast and grew up with like Bratz dolls, whatever. I was <laughs> a collector, connoisseur, um, made films around it. And then I remembered I started to gather a YouTube audience at the age of nine or 10. And then I was like, you know what we should do? Let's, let's monetize it. No, of course I did not say it like that, but, um, I was like, I would love to sell my dolls on eBay. So I launched an e-commerce store on, I believe Amazon and eBay and it started to grow. Like I was making a little bit of revenue, uh, 10 or 11, just making like, you know, $5,000. What what exactly were you selling? Okay. I was selling toy keychains. Like, does anyone know Real Akuma or like Sanrio? Yes. Yes. So in Alibaba, I would buy these products, import them, and then like ship it out of my garage and upsell it. (laughs) And who taught you how to do this? Well, so my dad was the one who was like, hey, like you should start YouTube. But I don't know how I found Alibaba. I think at the time it was just the yee-yee early days of drop shipping. So I think I just came across it through YouTube. That is insane at 10 years old. You're like, I'm going to start drop shipping and selling things <laughs> on my own store. Before it was cool. Like now drop shipping yeah. is so cool. And I was like doing it when it was wow. not. Um, okay. So how long did that store last? And how, what, you know, what's the journey after that? Yeah. So I think I was 12 and I was like, you know what? I'm done with dolls. My, <laughs> my, my friends were like, Jade, you're literally going to middle school and you're selling toys. Okay. No, but that was honestly what happened. So I grew out of that phase and I think... My dad started to realize, so my uh, he's a key player in this narrative, so I'll quickly introduce him. So my dad is a data scientist, so 
he's super smart, but he works with a lot of brands, but he does not do marketing. So at 15, I was doing the doll stuff, stopped doing that. He like, he saw me do that for a bit. He's like, Jade, you should definitely, you know, look into content marketing. That's basically what you're doing. And I didn't realize that's what I was doing. So at 15, I worked at a marketing agency, basically making videos for free um, and just like experimented. And I realized like, I really love making videos for brands and myself. So I started X8 Media because I figured out, you know, the journey of nine-year-old Jade selling products and making videos is what I love to do. And it just so happens I could turn it into like my uh, career in business. So X8 Media right now, we, I started out as a, you know, independent consultant for brands working on their marketing specifically on YouTube, but now I grew my agency to right around 10 people. So we're able to not only do strategy, but implement, um, videos specifically for YouTube and TikTok now. So one of the recent projects we were working on is called the house of us. It was a TikTok house in collaborations with a few brands like Converse and nonprofits to encourage Gen Mm -hmm. Z to um, vote this year. So it was for the election. So we know we do a couple projects like that, something that's a bit more, you know, I love to do social things and things that are just beyond just selling a product. So I like to incorporate marketing with uh, things I am passionate about at my agency. So that's what I've been currently up to today. And I did not go to school. I ended mm. up leaving school right around this journey in high school. But um, yeah, I'm currently 19. <laughs> so you went to high school and then you basically dropped out to do the YouTube thing full time. Yeah. Well, okay, the, okay, this is the funny thing. People <laughs> thought like I was like, oh, like you probably dropped out of school once you were starting to like make it, right? And the funny thing is, and I don't, recommend this because if you have Asian parents, you know, this is not good advice. But I think for some reason I started to get like a, like I dropped out of school when I had a thousand subscribers and a thousand dollars in my bank. It didn't make sense. (laughs) But what was it that told you like, okay, I don't want to do school. I want to do this. I think it's like my counselor was the actual Mm. one who taught me. He's like, Jade, like, why are you here? Like, you don't have to be here. Yeah. Like, cause my goal was to, my dream school was USC and I wanted to make, go to film school. And he's like, mm. my counselor was the one who was like, what are you, why are you You don't here? need to. And then yeah. I think when he told me like, you, you have this passion, you have an audience, obviously uh, he's like, there's a so long way to go. You should be able to focus on it. Um, and I think that's what allowed me to, to really hone in on it. So that was when I was my junior year of high school. Okay. And your parents, what were their reactions? Yeah. So my dad actually went to USC. So he was like, like obviously rooting for my other path, but he was mm-hmm. super supportive. I think. Oh, that's nice. I got really lucky, man. Like my yeah. parents are obvi- I'm I'm half Indonesian, half Chinese. So, I lucked out in that department of like parents being supportive. They obviously wanted to prove myself. Here's the issue though. I think for my first year of dropping out of school, I felt like I had a lot to prove, and I still mm-hmm. do. And I think that's yeah. where my obsession with work comes in. And I I mm-hmm. I think you mentioned earlier and a lot of people sometimes say like you work really hard and it actually comes from an insecurity of like making sure that my parents believing in me was the right decision. Uh, I'm really terrified of that, but yeah, they did trust me. And uh, I worked really hard to make sure that (laughs) it wouldn't pan out negatively. I I think it's so self-aware of you to recognize that and to say that because I, like, I can relate to you too. Like at the beginning of my journey, I worked so hard Mm -hmm. and I hustled. I hustled a lot because I had to prove to my parents that I was going to succeed at this or else, you know? I know. And it doesn't go away, right? you have to make it work. Yeah, because you sacrificed like a certain path to do this. It's a risk. So... I, I feel you. I, that's no. Now I can understand why you're working so much harder. Like, and, than, yeah, and, yeah. And the weird thing is, like, for you, you would think by a certain benchmark and point, you'll stop feeling like that lack of 
like not working hard enough, but it doesn't stop. Like, I'm curious for you, like, do you find that now you're able to like take breaks and be proud of yourself or is it still difficult day to day? I, I have like, I think last year was my, I, I traveled solo to Bali and <gasps> I did a lot of like healing and <laughs> yes! I heal, healing those insecurities and the lack of self-worth. So I feel like now I'm at a slight, I'm, I'm definitely in a better place where I don't feel like I have to hustle nonstop, but I obviously I, I had to like achieve a certain amount to like be able to feel that way so a lot of like half of it is you have to achieve it physically like in the material world with your accomplishments and then the other half is you got to work inside and like your the way your your mind works totally that's so that's great yeah but let's let's go back to you so (laughs) you're doing your youtube now but let's talk about all the businesses in between because i feel like you've started and ended a lot of businesses so what are the just tell us about that journey what businesses have failed why yeah so yeah. okay I skipped <laughs> you're right so I skipped, yeah. okay just because I know the podcast listeners doesn't want to hear the whole jumbo but I, but will I run think you it's important it. for them to know how much how many different things you've tried <laughs> okay yes I think it's important so you guys I lied to you it wasn't all pretty <laughs> Jay dropped out of school built a built a huge agency and now she's thriving there was so many things in between yeah all right so from 16 to 19 here's what happened that's three years I mentioned this before, but I love making videos for brands. I I just genuinely like working with people. That's why I do it. But I did start to get a lot of more individual clients, like uh, small startups, whether it's apparel or food, were like hitting me up and say like, hey, Jade, could you run my YouTube channel or at least Mm -hmm. help me out with social media? So I did that. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not, it's really not that glamorous. Like, let me just tell you, like, it first started out with like a $20 phone call, like per hour. And then like, you know, I doubled that from there. And then like, that's how I was making my money for a solid, like, half a year. And then my, my brain saved up this money and I was like, all right, let's launch something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I gambled all my money into building an app. <laughs> oh yeah. So my is that first- PB and J or was that something else? Yeah, that is. So okay. the first app I, I, I use the word gambled my money cause it was genuinely gambling my money. Um, it was investing into mm-hmm. an app called personal brand journey or PBJ. And the idea behind it was mm-hmm. at this time there was Patreon and a lot of uh, creator membership services but there was never a place like a like a one-stop shop app where, you know, uh, I can produce content um, in a more immersive way because it's always a web browser or just it's not as it's not as cohesive. So the idea was to launch my app and then I could basically create a development platform so other influencers can launch their app if they'd like. So it was a, it was like a template starting ground, right? So that was PBJ. It was like a personal brand journey. That's how it went about. It costed so much to develop. Like, I'm not going to lie. Oh, how I much? I sh- okay, I mean, have you developed about? Te- no, I ha- I haven't. Oh, are you are you thinking about it? No, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> not now. Okay, so to develop an app, it will take anywhere from twenty five to hundred thousand, and 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 I'm just not. I'm not even talking about like. I haven't even talked about monthly maintenance. This is like per feature. You're just talking about to start it. Yeah, yeah. it's very expensive wow. now. I do have to say, I did look out. My dad does do software for a living, but he did not give me a discount. He's like, Jade, this is literally what it costs. I'm like, what, dad? So my entire life uh, from 16 to 17 was just like basically making money through coaching calls and brands uh, consulting and throwing it into this app. And I got really tired. Mm -hmm. I think that's the time where I was, you know, a little bit trying to prove myself. So my idea Mm -hmm. was to just put it all in the app and grow it. So I ended up raising that much money by just basically working a lot. And then um, mm-hmm. I was able to launch my first beta and it was very successful because I I did not expect 5,000 users in like the first day. Here's the issue though. 
So at this time, Jade was so busy working, doing all these things where I don't think I properly, no, I, I know, I did not think of a proper monetization method. Yeah. The idea was a free p- platform that would end up going into a paid, mm-hmm. but the the issue is with tech, and this is something you will run into if you run an app, is every feature you add, even if it's like adding a paywall, mm-hmm. it costs money. Mm-hmm. So like we built the app and we're like, hey guys, we forgot to turn on the paywall. Oh, I see. Um, so we had all these users and we couldn't retain it. So then I was like, what can we do right now? So this is where PBJ actually evolved into phase two. So I think a year later after launching that app, getting users, we wanted to find a way to monetize it. So this is when we started to open up like, okay, Maybe we can't add, like, what if we can't add the paywall feature, but we can duplicate the code and build basically an app for other influencers? Mm-hmm. Because it's actually not that expensive to duplicate the source code. Yeah. It's more expensive to add a feature. Oh, wow. So we started to talk to my influencer friends and they're like, hey guys, does anyone want an app? Does anyone want to communicate with their fans one-on-one? Mm-hmm. And we ended up gathering uh, phase two of PBJ, which is now our like B2B angle, I guess, or in other words, it's like... Um, uh, influencers would pay us to develop their platforms. And it was really great. Like we got 12 influencers on, on the platform and we ran into the same issue again. Like with tech, a lot of the monetization, you know, I'm a new, I'm a 17 year old, 16 year old, you <laughs> yeah. know, tech founder at the time. I don't know what yeah. I was doing. And I think I, I, you know, like I mentioned before alien, like I was really trying to prove myself and I didn't really ask for help. I think that was my issue too. Like, because I really wanted to prove to my parents that I'm doing well, you know, I'm literally using my dad's developers mm-hmm. and paying him back, of course. But like, I felt like I needed to prove a lot. So I never asked for help, oh. which I think was my first yeah. mistake too. Um, in addition to all the monetary paywall stuff, I think if I asked my, my friend that developed an app before or people maybe like, hey, like how much would you pay for this if you wouldn't pay $10 a month for it? Like, I think a lot of my pride got in the okay. way. So basically to summarize it, that whole PBJ phase, one of the businesses that did not pan out was primarily due to not asking for help and funding. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we decided to pause adding more users and growing it and actively growing the platform. It's still up right now. You could probably find it, but for now, it's not something I'm actively pursuing. I see. So now your time is all to your agency, right? Yes. Helping brands create content. Yes, there's also another business that failed if you want to hear. (laughs) (laughs) If you would like to share. There's another one I just want to add in because Jay decided to like take a break from tech and I'm like, let's go Mm -hmm. into physical products, which I know Alien, you're crashing it in. But see, here's the funny thing. I... I know how to market physical products. I just don't know how to fulfill physical products. So anyways, oh, yeah. oh my gosh. Wait, do you have a, you have yes. a, what, yeah, fulfillment w- Wilson, my boyfriend helps me do the fulfillment and logistics. So it's helpful to oh. have him. See, Jade yeah. was struggling. So I try to, anyways. You, you could have that. asked me. <laughs> <laughs> Alien it's help. Okay. No, I was like last year, I decided, yeah. I decided to work on a food subscription box. So just want to let you know, I failed and started a lot of businesses, but everything that I, you know, experienced was totally worth it. And I yeah. would not change it for the for the better. Honestly, that's just how you have to do it as an entrepreneur is like keep creating, failing, creating and failing. And that's how you learn. Exactly. Okay. So I'm curious to hear because you are the Gen Z voice and the Gen Z eyes. <laughs> what do you think about where social media is headed? TikTok, all this stuff for people out there. Yeah. So are you asking about like the future of TikTok specifically or just overall platforms? No, overall mm. platforms. Like where you see, like where's Gen Z spending most of their time and for influencers wanting to start where, you know. Yeah, so it's really interesting. You know, TikTok right now, an average Gen Z user spends around around an hour and a half a day on TikTok um, and on Instagram around 52 minutes and on YouTube around an hour. So I think that like a lot of people mm-hmm. think TikTok's the future, but you know, Gen Z is still spending a lot of time on YouTube and Instagram. So if you're an influencer, 
you know, oh, you know, diet, make sure you're not like just putting all your eggs in a basket. So in regards to the future, let's talk about that because, you know, I think that anybody who predicts the next wave, uh, I am relu- like, I reluctant to trust, but you know, if I really had to say the next wave, <laughs> um, you have to really look at about like this. I think that right now, let's talk about TikTok specifically. The reason why it's so, you know, it's one of the, it is the highest uh, screen time platforms of people spending time on the app. And I really think it's because, you know, this app is the only platform where the algorithm feeds you content and there's no search. There's basically zero search, right? There's no YouTube search. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not a social platform. Like you, it's not like where, you know, you and your friends post a picture, right? It's like, it's the only app where you are fed content directly and you have to do the less basically the other words to say is it's the least amount of work you have to do it's Ah, very passive and and consumers like that right that's so true you don't have to think Mm, it requires the least amount of thinking exactly scroll with your thumb (laughs) exactly exactly and i think you know when you look at that that this is what i call a platform that's low bandwidth it's low bandwidth because mm. you don't have to use a lot of brain power. Now you look at YouTube where spending 10 minutes focusing on a vlog or productivity video from Lavender because I always watch that or anything <laughs> else, like it's it's higher bandwidth, right? And, yeah. and because of that, here's the way it will affect creators. I genuinely think that in regards to the influencer landscape, the low bandwidth platforms like TikTok will just not be a long-term sustainable way to connect with an audience it just won't it's the yeah. reason why you know i although charlie Dumelo is on the top and maybe for some exceptions i really think you know tiktok is a lower bandwidth platform which means uh, fans are not going to be as loyal and attentive whereas mm. i think youtube is a high bandwidth platform where people connect deeper and are a bit more engaged so when it comes to the influencer landscape i think it's not going to be tiktok youtube versus instagram it's going to be and um yeah. and i really don't see it going away for now i think the second yeah. thing is you know, I really think that a lot of people think, you know, Gen Z's attention span is ever so fleeting, which is true. I don't know about you, but like, I think YouTube rolled down on like an eight minute monetization mark instead of 10, right? Mm-hmm. And like, I wonder why they did that. Maybe people just can't watch 10 minutes. But, yeah. um, you know, I definitely feel that. But I also think now, there's a, now because there's so much short form content, it leaves a demand for long form high production content. Everything's very true. like, you know, so I think- Like you need everything. Right. There's different sp- pockets of space for for everyone to exist right exactly so i really think that you know a lot of people are trying to shift their content to fit the new world which i think is important but i also think there's a time and place where people that if, you know if you're a youtuber that makes films and you don't necessarily make dancing or short form content that's totally fine um mm. but i you know personally for me what i'm doing is i'm posting on three platforms um and i think the future is going to be and I, this is from what i've heard uh the future i think is going to be a paywall like i think what's going to happen mm. is a lot of creators, you have already seen this with Patreon and OnlyFans, yeah. but Patre- uh, creators are started, are going to start to go to not just posting on these platforms, but um, their own channels. And I don't know what that's going to look like exactly, but it's already happening. I just think it's going to be, in, instead of like a few percentage, I think it's going to be a larger percentage. Um, so I think that's what's going to happen in regards to like actual next steps or in futures in regards to platforms. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, because you you also have like something new called Create, your incubator program for small influencers and brands, right? Is that something new that you're working yes, on? Yes, okay. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that because I felt like that was related to this influencer talk. <laughs> yeah, so um, for those who don't know, my, my main agency is called X8 Media and our main goal is to work with brands. And a lot of the times, you know, I'm someone that, when I first started, I, we could barely, my parents did not, you know, 
afford a, a camera. And I remembered how hard I was. Um, I ended up getting lucky because my video got views and I was able to like, you know, start uh, growing. But I know a lot of people have problems getting started. So um, I work a lot in advertising and marketing and it can be very unfulfilling. So I decided to start um, an incubator that's a nonprofit where basically we work with um, the brands we work with. If they need an influencer, uh, we are able to, you know, help get them a brand budget. But um, instead of taking the 20% management fee and throwing it back into like, I don't know, a manager hands, we put it back into helping our early stage creators. So people that mm-hmm. need to buy a camera or like a laptop or people that just really need to get help getting started. So it's basically, um, it's basically a management or incubator. That's the word we use. But um, the 20% goes to new creators uh, pockets to really establish more diversity in the landscape. Like I am tired of seeing like TikTok creators look a certain way. I mean, I think the Asian community is definitely rising up and I've seen another few communities, but I think we could still do a better job. And I think it's because, you know, the people that need it the most that have the diversity don't necessarily have access to these things. So that's our really our real goal yeah. is just to provide those opportunities. I think it's amazing that you're doing that and that it's structured like a nonprofit because you it shows that you genuinely just care to get more diverse voices out there. Yeah, totally. Let's take a break to learn about our sponsor, BetterHelp. You guys know I love doing my own self-reflection through journaling, but sometimes I need an outsider's perspective to help me work through my issues and reveal what's holding me back. My favorite resource for that is BetterHelp's online counseling. I get to work out my thoughts with a professional counselor from the comfort of my own home. It's so convenient to be able to schedule a call or video chat when I need it. BetterHelp has 3,000 US licensed professional counselors specializing in everything from anxiety, relationships, anger, and more. You can start communicating with a counselor in under 24 hours. If you're ever unhappy with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time with no additional charge. And of course, everything you share is confidential. BetterHelp is available on desktop, mobile web, Android, and iOS apps. You can talk to your counselor through video, phone, online chats, or text. Best of all, BetterHelp is truly an affordable option, and they also offer financial aid for those who qualify. As a special offer to the Lavender Lifestyle listeners, you can get 10% off your first month with the discount code LAVENDARE. To get started with convenient, professional, and secure counseling today, go to betterhelp.com slash LAVENDARE. You'll fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and quickly get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash LAVENDARE. So Jade, with all of your projects going on, how do you manage your time? Can you walk us through what a week in your life looks like? Yes. Okay. So first of all, I, you know, wake up and one or two things. I I really believe in the power of three. So I said three, okay. Every day, every week I ask myself, what are the three things I want to achieve? It works out for me because it just so happens I have three, like not three companies, but three projects. Like I have my YouTube channel, my agency and my incubator. So basically Mm -hmm. my three weekly goals are surrounded by that. Uh, But if you Mm -hmm. have something where it's like, you know, Hey, like I'm working on school work and in, you know, something else. And that's where you can kind of provide that. So what I, what I do is I break down my weekly goal into daily goals. And I ask myself, what do I want today today to achieve my weekly three goals? And, um, it's been really helpful. And obviously, you know, you guys can, uh, use the pastel notebook set, which I write in all the time, um, (laughs) to, to write this stuff down. Um, but in honesty, this is the key thing, okay? This is going to be the life hack. And I'm not sure if you do this anyway. So I'm going to say it. So you have these three goals, right? And I think it's three is the magic number. Anything more, I get really uh, overwhelmed. I divide my day into three sections. Uh, like I think 10 to 12, 12 to 2, then 2 to 6 is where I like 
attack each goal because I, my brain personally for me cannot context switch fast enough. If I'm doing two things at once, I get confused. So I separate my day into three goals and it's so effective. So that's how I manage everything truthfully. I don't think I could do anything without that. I love that. Yeah. I, it's all about like time batching, like similar tasks together. And I like that. It's like three goals. You divide your day into three. Exactly. And this is the last part that's key. These are all professional goals, right? I did not even mention Uh like self-care, which I think is super important to productivity. So in addition to these three professional goals, I'll set, I'll set personal goals and I will share my three personal goals this week. So you guys can get a picture. (laughs) The first personal goal I wrote down this week was apparently I'm having issues in my romantic life. So I wrote down to stop chasing men. Um, oh. <laughs> no joke. Good goal, right? Good right. Goal. Okay. Yeah. Step two, yeah. I wrote down I want to yeah. stretch in the morning for 15 minutes. And three is I want to just try to do intermittent fasting. So I think it's important. Everyone forgets to set personal goals. Um, and I think it's really important to do both. Mm-hmm. Okay. Totally agree. All right, Jade, I have some Instagram questions. Okay. So the first one is from Ella. She says, what's your advice for young entrepreneurs in overcoming fear and self-doubt? And there was a similar question we can to put it together, how did you go, get over the fear of everyone judging you for wanting to start a business? Ooh. My answer changes because the funny thing is, and I know everyone, even with some sort of success, can testify to this, but um, you will feel imposter syndrome no matter the milestone you hit uh, because the next goal you set typically is scary, right? Um, and I think it's important to understand that everybody mm-hmm. feels self-doubt. This morning, I'm working on this incubator thing. I've never ran a nonprofit before. What the heck am I doing? I don't know. So like, you know, I feel this. I feel this. It's the same. It's weird. It's like the same emotion from when I was 16, everyone laughing at me in high school to now. It's the same amount of magnitude of emotion, of of self-doubt. So just first of all, understanding that. Now, Mm -hmm. this is something that I recently thought about driving in the car this morning. So this is still new and fresh, just for the podcast. So let me see if I can put it to words. So I get hard on myself for posting a YouTube video that gets A, low views, B, I don't like it, C, I just think I look fat or something stupid, right? And I think for a lot of us, we're scared to put out mediocre work. Mm. We're scared to put out a mediocre business or a business that fails. Or I think the the fear of failure is just putting out something and not working out. Mm -hmm. And I think when I was driving in the car, I realized like I was looking at my channel and I was like, oh, my last video was like, <laughs> and I, mm. I, 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 I was like, wait a second though. Like you need to put out those, like you need to put out those bad videos, those bad projects to get the good things out. Cause you can't mm-hmm. without it. Like I looked at my channel and my first 50 videos were really bad. It was me playing with my dolls when I was a kid and I needed that to happen. It's almost like, you know, when yeah. you, this is, I do not want to relate it to the pandemic, but like, you know, when you get like sick and then you get immune to the sickness because you got it out of yourself. Like, I think yeah. we need to just be able to uh, push out quantity in the beginning and then quality will be becoming yeah. as a byproduct of it. And I think it's really important to give yourself compassion because you're, uh, there's this term called the creative gap. And, you know, you have this Mm -hmm. expectation and, you know, it's maybe something where you compare yourself to the next creator or the next business. And then you see yourself, which is below. And there's this gap. And just understand if you really want to bridge that gap, it's going to be not because you put one great thing and it's amazing. It's because you put out a lot of bad things and then one of them sticked. And that's how it really works. Um, And I think the last thing to that, and I think this is the most important thing too, is I feel like a lot of us, for for me personally, I'll just kind of bring it back. Self-doubt at the end of the day 
is not something that I, I don't know how to explain it. It's like when I was driving this morning and I figured out, oh my God, like this, the secret to happiness is putting out mm-hmm. bad work. It doesn't like, you can listen to that and you're like, great Jade, I'm still uncomfortable. It doesn't make it better. And I think you don't get like, the thing is you don't get better at knowing everything and how it's going to pan out. Or what I like to say is like, you know, a lot of people have the fear of the unknown mm-hmm. of things are not working out. It's not like, you know, better, like, even if you put out more work and you do, you know, one pops off, it's not like, you know, everything now it's like, you just are better at handling uncertainty. That's literally the only yeah. difference. Like everyone that's successful is not necessarily the smarter, but they're just better at handling uncertainty and the mm-hmm. unknown. And that's really just it. So doubt is really normal. And I think it's, it's a part of the journey. Yeah. Like you have to be willing to know that, okay, I have to put out stuff consistently, even knowing that it's going to suck in order for me to even have a chance for something to be good. It's so painful. It, it's so painful. It is painful. <laughs> but I love that you brought that up because I love the creative gap. If and there's like a video by Ira Glass, yes, yes, I yes, think it's yes. called. It's so good. And I recommend you guys, I'll link it in the show notes for this. But yeah, I've always talked about that too. It's like quantity will create quality and you can't expect like your first video is going to be perfect. It's not, (laughs) you know, it's going to take time. And yeah, even now, like I feel like my videos suck every five, every five videos, there's four that sucks and one that's good, (laughs) but I just have to do it. Yeah. I like your ratio. That's, that's good though. My ratio is like every 10 videos, one's okay. Is it? Yeah, because like at this point, I know how much work it takes to make a really, really good video, but it's you, you balance that with like wanting to be consistent. Oh so, my gosh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to another Instagram question. Bella asked, how do I start? What's the most important first steps in starting a business? Ooh. Okay, I'm trying to remember. This is something you should take in general. Like a lot of people try to start with finding a problem. I think this is like most entrepreneurship school or just startup world is like find a problem and then solve it. Um, the problem with that is you're going to be eager to monetize it too soon. For example, most businesses take three years, maybe, maybe, mm-hmm. yeah, to, to start to make money. So if you're f- trying to solve a problem that you're not passionate about, it's going to be hard mm-hmm. to sustain that for, for three years, let's just say, right, hypothetically. So I think my first recommendation is to start with what do you wish? There's a couple of questions you can ask. What do you wish existed yeah. in the world? This is a bit more bigger picture. Or you can go to your, this is my, where I would personally start because sometimes that's even too abstract and you're like, Jade, I don't even know what I'm, <laughs> what I'm missing. You know, I started selling Rilakkuma Sanrio keychains on eBay. Like what type of <laughs> yeah. problem am I solving? Nothing, right? I think it's important to start, like people are trying to create the next Facebook. Let's start with because you will get there. It's just going to take some time. Start with something <laughs> that you are just interested in. I think a lot of people try to disregard hobbies. Hobbies are so important. If you're passionate about clay creatures and like clay keychains, like make that and sell yeah. it and don't even care about money. Like what are your passions? I think so. I got on DM the other day of people saying like, I'm trying to quit my nine to five out of this Etsy store, but I'm so scared to start yeah. the Etsy store because I don't know if yeah. it's going to work out. And that's killing a lot of the starting grounds, expecting it to make money from the beginning, it's like asking a baby to like, you know, provide for me now. And it's a baby. Like you gotta, gotta give it some time. So like, I think there needs to be more emphasis on mm. literally like hobbies. Start with your hobbies. If you like skateboarding <laughs> or for me, yeah. like surfing, like start with there it's so true. and then create a business yeah. around it. You can ask yourself, you know, Hey, like maybe I can resell surfboards mm-hmm. and I buy and sell. That's a business right there. If you, you know, I actually started this, you know, with keychains, but I really liked Sanrio characters. Why not sell, um, you know, merchandise around it. So 
really like ask yourself what your passions are, unless you have like a burning, you know, industry problem <laughs> you want to solve and do that. But I think for a lot yeah. of us, we don't, we do have passions. Yeah, though. I, I love that answer. And also to recognize that your business doesn't like, don't expect it to make money right away. It's going to take some time no. yeah, for sure. <laughs> no. You got to have patience. Like I'm sure, sure for you, like you were making videos out of passion too. Like the, the products came after, yeah. right? I think how many years oh, for did sure. the products come in? I started Lavender 2014, the product, it probably like almost three years. Until right? I came out with See? the product. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, so now I have some rapid fire questions that I ask all of our guests at the end of the show. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. Jade, what does your dream life look like? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> this is a lavender question. Okay, I have a very specific dream slash uh, life. Okay. Okay. So I'm really thankful because I. I like live in a city. It's uh, I live in Central California. It's called San Luis Obispo, and I'm 10 minutes away from the beach. So that's something that I dreamed of, and I'm I'm really lucky and grateful to be here. The only thing I have to say, this is my dream morning routine. Okay, I wake up 6 a.m. go surf, but you know, mm-hmm. ideally, maybe if I had a nice little um, shipping, I really want a shipping container house for some reason. I'm living in a shipping container oh. house in um, got cool. some land. Um, I live in slow, and I have a little shipping container little um, empire live there. Um, and then I think my main emphasis is working on things I'm passionate about. So I hope I'm still, uh, for my dream life, I'm working on my rule of three day. So, you know, nine Mm -hmm. to 10 doing something with my agency, 10 to 12 doing something with my incubator and then the rest of the afternoon making content. I think something that I really never, ever thought I would say this is spending time with friends and family Mm -hmm. after work or even before work. Like I used to be such a hard headed person about, only hanging around with entrepreneurs because if they don't benefit you, what's the point? And I really mm-hmm. miss the point of being present and like literally enjoying the moment. And like so often, even when I'm like hanging out with friends, I ask myself, what's next? Like after I finish a work day, I'm like, what's next? After I finish like hanging out with, uh, like during hanging out with friends, I'm like, all right, I have to get to bed at 9 p.m. so I can wake up at 5. Mm-hmm. Like, right? Like you're never truly in the moment. So I really hope my dream life is achieving all those things. But just being able to be present mm-hmm. and like sit still and enjoy the moment. Like even if I'm working, I'm enjoying it and not worrying yeah. about all these things. And I think this is so important because, you know, a lot of the dream lives that I've seen, or at least maybe my used to be around monetary things. And of course I still want my shipping container home, but you know, you like, it's almost free to be present and hang out with friends. And I think so often I strive, and this is actually a really good podcast because I'm reflecting on myself, (laughs) but so often I strive for this perfect life that in reality costs less than probably like a dollar just to be present and still. And I forget that, but my dream life would be be here, um, but just being able to be sit still. I love that. I, I can tell that you've like grown mentally and, and also like seeing your new surfing life. It's like, I'm happy for you. <laughs> you, <laughs> like surf? you. Do you surf? I don't surf, but I see how much you enjoy it. You wake up that early to go in the water. Like I admire that. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. What is one book or resource that you recommend to everybody? I would say um, there's two books, and I think you've everyone's probably read this. I keep saying this, but the first book I've ever read, because Jade cannot read textbooks, only picture books at this point, <laughs> or Twitter comments. That's li- like 160 characters is the max of my attention. But a really good book is Steal Like an Artist by Austin Cleone. Uh, oh, yeah, that's a good and one. And the second book I recommend. You have that one? Yeah, I've read that. Yes. Um, the second book I'm reading right now is really good. I have to recommend it. I'm not done with it, but it's so good. For anyone who has anxiety – who anyone feels like they're, you know, scared to start the book. 
by the School of Life called Calm is amazing. I'm literally just going to read you like the first sentence. It's just so good. It's like, few life skills are as neglected, yes, yet as important as the ability to remain calm. Mm. Our worst decisions and interactions are almost invariably the result of a loss of calm and a descent into anxiety and agitation. So this book is like, no one, everyone wants to know how to be more successful, how to be more stronger, faster, but no one asks how to be more calm. And this book's really good. It talks about that. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Okay. What is one habit that has changed your life? (laughs) Okay. Hear me out. Hear me out. Surfing 6am in cold water sounds horrible, but your mind goes from, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this to hey this is fun and that switch is life altering so if it's not surfing for you because you're not you know (laughs) have access to coastal water like try something that makes you go i hate this i hate this but gives you that switch whether that's running or a reading if you can't sit still or meditating like that's been really helpful for me just doing any activity that i know is good for me but i don't want to do in the moment wow (laughs) that that sounds powerful actually (laughs) what is the best life or career advice that you've ever gotten Mm, okay this is recent my brain doesn't save things longer than a year apparently last week my (laughs) friend who's so controversial like he he says some i mean like i'm a huge person in female empowerment like he's a kind of a dude that like doesn't mean to say these things but he's just like feminism feminism's not real like he's very controversial very controversial but i asked i'm just like so curious i'm like look matt how the heck are you so confident? Like, people hate you, man. Like, people literally hate you, but you keep <laughs> saying things. And by the way, I, I'm more just curious, like, how he's able to do this. Because I look at a YouTube comment, and I will cry for a day at least, right? So I'm like, how do you not literally give an F? And then he goes, like, he goes, tells me, Jade, and this is the advice he gives me. He's like, Jade, you're stuck. You're going to be stuck with this body. You're going to be stuck with this person, this person of you. And mm-hmm. you can't go anywhere and you got to own it and you got to be confident. And that really spoke out to me because I realized like I'm so often, you know, fighting my physical appearance. I'm trying to change myself and trying to, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's, a, you know, importance to like always self-improve and not be so um, arrogant. But when it comes to, you know, that it's like be unapologetically you because you're stuck with this one body in person with the rest of your life. You can't yeah. change that person as much as you'd like to. You can change your perspective and your relationships but that person the way you act and your beliefs and what's important to you is you and you should not change it and you know what that although he's very controversial I respect that so it was really helpful respect the (laughs) self-confidence yeah very yeah okay the last one finish the sentence the most amazing part about life is being able to wake up surf and drink a matcha green tea latte and then journal i'm like really into the little things lately like just that small little moment is so good like i think surfing has made you more present oh my god (laughs) dude wait no here's the thing though like alien like i thought i was like super fun and fresh but i realized like the moment you're not present in surfing you will just get wiped out by a wave oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) so yeah like in life, right? Almost. Exactly. Ooh, ooh. Well, yeah. maybe not as intensely. One time yeah. last week, I got wiped out and the water... California has been really cold lately. I have no mm-hmm. idea what's going on. So I got wiped out and I like I got out of the water and I started to see stars. I'm like, uh-oh, <gasps> my head hurts. <laughs> I forgot to ask, Jade, where can we find you online? All right. So if you guys would like to find me, my Instagram, YouTube, TikTok website is just at Jade Dharma Wangsa. 
I know it's going to be a long name to spell. So hopefully in the podcast notes, there's something there. I'll put it in the show notes. It'll be on the title of this podcast. But thank you so much, Jade, for being here with us, sharing with us your energy and your insights. I'm sure everyone loved it. Yes. Thank you so much, Aileen. I had so much fun. Thank you. All right. Hope you enjoyed getting to know a little more about Jade Dharma Wangza. Make sure to check her out on all of her socials, which I'll link in the show notes down below. Now I have some takeaways from today's conversation. The first takeaway is that being an entrepreneur really is about starting something, failing, making mistakes and learning from it, and then doing that all over again. Jade has started and moved past so many different businesses and she's only 19 years old. So the fact that she has so much experience makes her even better and better for the next business that she decides to build. The next takeaway is that quantity will lead to quality, meaning you have to create a lot of bad work in order to eventually create something good. I highly recommend you guys Google Ira Glass Creative Gap. If you haven't already, watch that video. It's just so good and it's so true. A note to all creatives out there that you have to just put your work out there, create a lot of work until you finally create something that you like that you're proud of. The third takeaway is Jade's productivity process. So what she does is she sets three weekly goals and then she breaks down how she's going to achieve those three goals by each day. And she even separates her day into three parts. So a couple hours in the morning, a couple hours afterwards, and then a couple hours after that for working on those three separate goals. All right. If you like this episode, feel free to share it on Instagram or Twitter, sending you all so much love and I will talk to you next time. Bye. All right, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to The Lavender Lifestyle. If you like this podcast, please show your support by leaving a review on iTunes. Lastly, you can catch me on YouTube and Instagram at Lavender, where I have even more content for the artist of life. Sending you so much love. Bye.